0: Full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold, dogs, no calf, the elk, call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got dim Nero says, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie. Through
1: and through. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. What's going on, Bob the Bow Hunter?
0: Not much, buddy. How you doing?
1: Uh, just a nice uh, refreshing couple hours of laughter
0: yeah yeah we just uh just got off the hook with Bob Smith a big stick archery and we had yeah. a good good talk we uh talked about all things from broadheads to bows of course and uh got into some of his elk hunting adventures he's been coming out here from uh where's he from, Ohio Iowa 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 and uh chasing the elk around the mountains for six years or so now so for you guys out from back east or midwest this will be a good one for you guys to kind of listen to and you can maybe learn some of the things he learned a little quicker
1: yeah he definitely had a good perspective of being a midwest guy and and coming out and putting in his time and you know figuring out his gear and uh figuring out the elk woods and yeah, it's told some great stories and I think you guys will really enjoy that. Um, it's got me frothing at the mouth for some September elk hunting myself.
0: Yeah. Can't wait, man. It's, it's not coming soon enough. Can't wait to go chase them around.
1: Yeah, for sure. We've got, uh, some other cool stuff coming. Um, kind of Compton traditional is voting in some new, uh, board members and just got the ballot in the mail and looking forward to uh to the new uh two thousand nineteen lineup there and just starting to kind of talk about uh returning to Michigan for the rendezvous and
0: Yep yep. They got some good uh good speakers lined up and Monty Browning will be a great one. And Jay St. Charles or whatever for the deal so
1: yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing Monty. That guy's a storyteller and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so it should be awesome. I had a, a great time last year, and this is the 25th anniversary. So if you guys uh, are listening and are going to be able to make it or think you can try to to find a way to make it, uh, we'd really love to meet you guys there. And if you guys aren't members, definitely get signed up. It's our National Traditional Bowhunting Organization the only one of its kind and uh it's just full of uh just wonderful people who uh all are living the same lifestyle and fighting for the same lifestyle that uh, we all love and enjoy for sure yeah um so yeah and also uh just did a little quick thing we're got the Patreon uh, account up and running and uh, we'd appreciate any kind of support we can get from the listeners. Uh, we've got a couple of handfuls of guys who've jumped on there and pledged some support for us, and we really appreciate them. Um, we're rounding up some more giveaways, and we've done a few giveaways so far. We've got a quite a few more coming in the future. I know we got a couple bare bows to give away. So look forward to uh, a couple uh Bare Bows, we've got a 59er and a Super Kodiak Black Beauty. Um, we've got some quivers and some other great stuff to be given away. And the, all those giveaways are going to be just for, uh, our supporters on Patreon. So, if you yeah. guys want to get in on that, uh, go to patreon.com,
0: just patreon.com forward slash track quest. And, or you can just go to our website www.tragquest.com and go to the donate page and it's all linked to Patreon. You can also, if you don't want to do the Patreon, you can just donate to us. If you want, you just click that button it'll go through PayPal. You can help us yes. out there. But if you want to be entered and uh, part of our Patreon thing, click, we kind of have it mirrored on our page and it'll take you right to Patreon and, and you can get on there. And we're also doing some other um, Additional benefits for our longbow and self bow tiers. So the, those guys are going to get, uh, some discounts to these companies we're working with, which is good right now. We've yeah. got a couple lined up so far and we're working on a bunch more. So
1: yeah. So Bob Smith here, the podcast we're getting ready to, uh, he's getting ready to come on the air here with us. He's, uh, pledged to, uh, give a 20% discount to our, uh, top tier self bow supporters. And a 10% discount to our longbow supporters. So, I mean, that's a huge discount on an awesome custom bow made by an awesome guy. Yeah. So for the guys that are uh, our Patreon supporters and wanting to uh, get themselves into a big stick assassin, uh, you can get a 20% discount uh, in our gold package and a 10% discount, which is still a huge discount, in the silver package. So uh, definitely go to Patreon to learn more about that. And yeah, so uh, if
0: you're listening to this podcast and you realize Bob is an awesome dude and you really need a bow, then get on to Patreon and sign up so you can get that discount and, uh, help you out.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and we will uh, continue to add to that. We're, we're in negotiations with, uh, a lot of different companies. And if you are a, uh, a boyer or a arrow maker or, a, uh, make uh anything that pertains to traditional bow hunting uh get a hold of us. Um we would love to help try to push people in your direction. Uh we're looking for donations to give away to our supporters and we're looking for discounts to uh help push them towards your business and support the podcast. So we really appreciate that. And in that said, uh definitely you know reach out to us. If you've got any feedback or have any questions about this, uh, you can send us a email at TragQuestPodcast at gmail.com and let's, uh, let's, uh, get, get to the show. What's going on, Bob?
2: Oh, not much. I'm just sitting in the bow shop, just been talking to James and then I was talking to Colton Gilman here just before I got on the phone with you talking about this buffalo setup.
0: Oh, nice.
2: He's going. He's he's the guy that got that seventy-three-pound bow I sent out the other day. So,
0: so it's been like a
2: going buffalo hunting. Yeah, he's going this winter. Going to Australia. So. Wow. Well, apparently, you can talk a lot about what arrow you shoot at a water buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) We've probably discussed it for at least eight to ten hours already, and we've got like (laughs) much to go.
1: So what 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 is the current uh setup he's gonna take?
2: Uh well he just got that bow I sent, so he's decided seventy three is a little stiffer than he thought, and he's got some day six two fifties ordered, um, but they haven't showed up yet. So I don't know. I guess that or he's looking at some accesses, something like that. Put yep. four hundred grains on the front and is,
1: is he I gonna shoot the tough head, broadhead?
2: Um yeah, that was kind of our top. That's kind of a one we keep coming back to.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, a hard the actual that's the hard. Ashby
2: one. They're a little pricey. They're a little hard to swallow
1: <laughs> yeah. The
2: 120 Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think that the Tough Head's even a better head.
2: Right, well, and he's a big Ashby nut, so I, I believe like most of the tests he did was with the Tough Head. Like that was his favorite head. So
1: Yeah, basically all his tests led back to that head being built from what I understand. Right,
2: right. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So that's what we got going on. I was going to build some bows today, but haven't really done any of that so far. <laughs>
0: well, Maybe, sorry.
1: Like... sorry.
2: No, that's fine. That's fine.
1: Yeah, and I think that Toughhead, it just, they, the Toughhead guys, there's a new owner. I don't know if they're out in your country. I thought they might be out somewhere near you, the new owners of Toughheads.
2: Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't follow them real close. Um, I just am familiar with them. I've looked at them a couple times. So, are they are they out in the Midwest now?
1: Yeah, I I do believe the the gentleman that had it before was uh, I think getting into his eighties. I believe Joe, super nice guy, and he sold it to a guy that I think is in Iowa or Ohio or somewhere out there.
2: Could be, could be. I don't know. I I steer pretty clear the old single bevels.
1: You're a three-blade guy.
2: I'm a three. I shot single bevels last year, and after my cutthroat experience, I'm kind of, I'm kind of not too into them anymore. <laughs> they just, I don't know, man. Did not get much for blood. So. copy. Yeah,
1: I've heard I that. I've heard, I've heard that from from other guys too. So yeah.
2: I, that last doe I shot was like fresh snow from the night before. No tracks. Shot her at 12 yards, one lung and a liver. Watched her lay down. Thought she was dead. Four hours later, I got down to get my arrow. Wasn't as good as I thought. Thought, we'll see all the blood. It's it's fine. She was gone. I ended up tracking her like four or 500 yards with no blood. Like she just tipped over dead, like following her tracks. Like, Would have never, never found her with no snow. Wow. She was just full of blood. So, so much like, yeah, for that, I
1: don't know. So much for that S-Wound channel, huh?
2: <laughs> she was really fat, so that probably didn't help. I'm sure that plugged that hole, coming right out of her belly. But I don't know. I me, I was kind of had the impression that like those cut ho- throats would probably like kill the postman that delivered them. Like, you know, <laughs> like it's hard to yeah. say how many postmen lost lives trying to li- deliver those to my house.
1: <laughs> uh, so you're a, a woodsman guy, aren't you?
2: Uh, yeah, I am. I am currently dabbling with the idea, of like getting some VPA's. Yep. We'll have to see how many bows I sell. See if I can afford it.
0: <laughs> That's your budget on how many bows?
2: Like fifty bucks for three or for six now. So I mean, crime oh. and takes.
1: How Is
0: much are
2: they? I think they're fifty bucks at Three Rivers now.
1: Okay, for for three. For six. Oh, for, for six. six. Oh yeah, yeah, the 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 woodsman are.
2: Right,
1: right, yeah. VPA's yeah. so are like,
2: really f-
1: form. yeah. What are VPA's? They're like forty-five for three, aren't they?
2: Right. So yeah. I mean, now it's almost getting to the point where it's worth
1: it. I yeah, they're they're also got no vents in them, which I like that design better myself. But I know Bob's had a lot of luck. Uh, Bob Borland has had a lot of <laughs> luck with uh with the uh, woodsman, right, Bob?
0: Yeah, I never had any issues with them. I think they're great. I I just shot those old original ones because they're cheaper.
2: But I don't think I can't say I ever had any problems. In fact, I shot single bevels basically just to see if I could screw some shit up. I think, like, I mean, I didn't have any trouble for you know ten years. I thought, hey, ten years, I've had great luck. Let's see if you know, see what happens if I shoot these instead.
1: Well, there's. Well, if you guys didn't realize, we've got uh, the one and only Bob Smith from Big Stick Archery. How's it I'm going, Bob? The line. Oh, we're, we're on. Just going at it? Yeah, oh, we're probably. just going at it.
2: Okay, good stuff. Well, I guess we've got that out of the way now, now that I've talked some trash about cutthroats.
0: <laughs> uh, they look
2: really cool, though. I'm sure it was probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm, now you got me
0: backpedaling already. That's what we try to do on here. That's our goal, main goal. Get somebody to talk trash every, every episode. And and then, and then allow for an an hour of backpedaling. Yes. Yes. I mean,
2: they look super cool. I mean, I don't know. So that's just me. What do I? Yeah.
0: I've never, uh, I've never, my second shot on that last bull this year was with a single bevel, but that's, but I just watched it die. So I don't know. I have heard from guys though, my buddy Danny shot a bull a couple of years ago and he said he ain't shooting them again. And he was shooting those grizzlies, you know, <laughs> single bevels. And he just said there was no blood. Yeah. So, so I don't know.
2: It's a good, they make a bunch of different broadheads.
1: Yeah, I've had so. similar experiences, uh, no blood, but I've had the animals go down quick with them. Um, my right. buddy, Ch- my buddy Chuck is, Said he's had massive blood trails from grizzlies. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's
2: like either you get it or you don't. Apparently. Yeah. You
1: know what I, said? I was talking with Drew from, uh, Selway and oh, yeah. he, he's going away from the single bevels altogether. He, he wants, he's going to go to a, a double bevel, um, type of head cause he said the single, but he feels the single bevels create zero blood trails as well.
2: I've heard that too. I don't see how there makes a difference like in the number of bevels, but I've, uh, other guys have said the same thing, like a regular two blade bleeds more, but I, I, I don't see how that works. I have no idea. Somebody believes it though.
1: <laughs> I think it all comes yeah. down to, it all comes down to confidence and, and experience. Oh, and sure. you, you create, you create your confidence through experience. And so, um, yeah, I, I I've never tried a three blade, but, I'm tempted to do so, especially for these blacktails. You stuff. are missing out. <laughs> well, I guess that's not true. I've I've shot the Valkyrie um three blade head before. It was Valkyrie oh, wow. when they were in the testing phase. I'm friends with Brent, and he'd sent me some for testing. So I shot a blacktail with one of those, and it did a good job. I bet they did. Too expensive Pretty for nice. me, though. I can't afford that stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you.
1: Awesome. So, uh, uh, you are from the Midwest, correct? Tell us a little bit about where you're from and, uh, how you, uh, grew up into this, uh, traditional archery thing.
2: Yeah. So, I, uh, grew up in Wisconsin. Pretty much shot compounds since I was three till I guess 21 ish. Um, up bow hunting shooting bows all the time um dad and grandpa were big into the bow hunting and uh i was big into sports i guess i don't know i'm i'm like six seven so of course i obviously just play basketball um so played high school and college ball so i didn't really do i didn't get a whole lot of bow hunting in kind of through those you know eight years or whatnot um but pretty much as soon as i was done with the uh the basketball. It was kind of either I was going to start fishing bass tournaments or like start bow hunting more. And my my outboard was stole off my motor one day, <laughs> so that pretty much put the, put the kibosh on my bass fishing tournament And uh, so I started shooting my dad's recurve. He had a thir- I think it was like 38 years old Kodiak hunter at the time, um, his first bow. So in lieu of fishing tournaments, I started shooting that and. I had one year left or one semester left in Iowa to finish school. Um, I graduated here in Iowa. And uh, so I figured I'd go and do some bow hunting with that in the, you know, legendary land of Iowa. And after some ups and downs and a couple little, you know, back to the compound deals, um, I ended up showing up hunting and uh, killed a little six pointer at like eight yards. First year I'd seen in Stanford. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much it. Like as soon as that happened, uh, I never really, I guess like I've shot a compound since then, but I don't think I've hunted with a compound since then. Um, and then basically from there, I, you know, I got a couple of RER bows and really liked that and um, just kept hunting with the stick, basically. And uh, eventually, I want to say it was like six years ago. You know, it always sounds like, you know, I guess I'm a crafty guy so I would always make, you know, I'd make my arrows, or I got into making some, like, pocket quivers with some leather and stuff for a little bit there, and, like, I'd always read about building bows, and it just seemed like something. I, why wouldn't you want to build bows? Um, so I, I would say it was, like, six years ago, I, you know, you get your tax return time, so when you're 25 or whatever, you're, like, holy oh, most you know, this is this is when you're going to spend some money, so I decided I could either build any bow I wanted or, you know, take my thousand bucks and go and buy some cheap tools and build a bow and I decided to build a bow and it broke <laughs> and then I had a hard time coming up with a couple hundred bucks more to build another one but
1: well I gotta yeah. I gotta ask you Bob six seven so yeah. what do you got like a 34 inch draw or what
2: um I kind of just quit pulling at 32 um I could <laughs> probably pull further but like there's just you know I shoot the gold tips that are 32 inches long, and then you put a knock on there, so they're like 32 and a quarter or so, I suppose. But if I'm not careful, I can definitely get that old woodsman right on the shelf with me.
1: <laughs> so, so so you I, must you break. You must have broke a lot of bows just because of your long draw length. I mean, are you shooting like a 68 inch bow or?
2: Ah uh, no, so I I shot like a 64 inch when I was shooting the RERs. And then when I started building the bows, I wanted to be able to shoot a 62. So I kind of designed them for a long draw guy, um, at least like the 62-incher specifically. So um, I can shoot the 62 just fine. And then I got, you know, I have a 64 that I build also, um, which is pretty nice. I like that with, like, the 17-inch riser in it. But, uh, yeah, no, not a 60. I've never shot a 68, I guess. So 62 inches for
1: me currently. Okay. Okay, so yeah, sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead. Yeah, so I only
2: built, I only built the one that broke, technically, that I, I, that I broke shooting anyway. I've, I broke some other ones or whatever, some other ones that broke, but, um, the first one, the first one was old snap, crackle, pop, like trying to put a string on it. And the next one was glued up and I guess we were kind of off to the races. And I guess six years later here, now I am building, building both full time now, technically, no, not technically. Um, for the last three months, I haven't had another job. So I guess that means I'm a full time boyer now. <laughs> um, I kind of like the three quarter time status a lot more. I feel like that was a lot cooler to say than full time, but, and some lower expectations from guys. Cause you could be like, I have another job. You know, i sorry I'm taking so long to build your boat, but. Right. But yeah. But now it's, I guess now it's pretty serious. So it's, it's, it's still fun. Do you,
0: do you ever feel like maybe you took the wrong turn and not sticking with the bass fishing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you know, I, I mean, I was pretty good. I mean, I could catch a fish in a bathtub. I mean, it, did, you have I a, did,
0: did you have a sweet sparkly boat and everything?
2: Oh, no. So we should probably talk about it, why it was so easy to steal the outboard. Um, so I fished some local tournaments the year before and uh like i just had a maybe it was a 14 foot 12 foot alumicraft that was like my grandpa's boat It was a handy down to my dad you know so it was like a you know 1960 12 foot alumicraft with an 18 horse evan root on it and i had like a little homemade rigged up cooler live well and like a nice. plywood plywood casting platform and a you know like a big old 47 pound thrust Bow mount trolling motor that cost m- probably more than the whole boat, you know. Like, <laughs> probably could have skied behind it. It was pretty quick. um But yeah, I would. Say we would show up to fish the tournaments, and I had some partner or whatever, and it, you know they do the draw to you know to see who gets to go or launch first or whatever. The shotgun start, I guess they call it. But it didn't matter if we were first or last, you know, because I you know you just bottom that eighteen horse out and. Everybody would have beat you across the lake anyway by the time you know <laughs> by the time we got where we were going, but uh you know we did all right we, we got we placed we did we did pretty good the first year, but uh yeah, so that's why it was so easy to steal the the outboard on my boat because it was only an eighteen horse they probably they just picked it up and carried it off, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Not nice. typically with the FLW. I, you know, I had some other road bumps to get over if I was going to go that route as well. Um, <laughs> but it would have been bumpy, I'm
0: sure. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't have much bass fishing in our neck of the woods, so I always get a kick out yeah, of watching no, the tournaments I- on TV and stuff. I love it. It's good stuff.
2: Yeah, no, it is, it is fun. I wouldn't say Wisconsin was like a premier bass fishing spot either, but it, it is a good time for sure.
1: I think the biggest bass fishing scene in the state is here where I live. They've got a couple. There's about 10 lakes where I live, and they have big tournaments. And once a year, you see all the shiny, sparkly boats show up, and it's kind oh, of – Oh, yeah. That's funny.
0: All right. Sorry to get off of the bass fish, but I, I had to do it. That, that was, <laughs> I was curious.
2: I'm a little rusty on my bass talk anyway. probably good.
0: It's <laughs> good to brush up.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, whitetails and turkeys is, uh, the name of the game out in your neck of the woods, I suppose.
2: Uh, yeah, well, basically just whitetails. Um, I guess they got, you know, we got some bear hunting in Wisconsin. Um, some pretty good bear hunting, I guess. I've never done it. Uh, my dad killed a bear when I was 12 or 12 or so. Um, but, uh, I think they have, I forget, there's a lot more units apparently then when he drew so now we just it's kind of a don't really know what unit you want to put in for and you're doing other stuff so i think we've got like 20 points like we could draw any unit we want but i don't know bait and bear, bait and bears in september just doesn't sound like as much fun um now that we do some other stuff in september but um pretty much grew up doing just the white tail thing living for the white tail hunting um, didn't really do any turkey hunting until I started shooting the trad bow, which is, you know, probably the best time to pick up turkey hunting, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so that was, I don't know. I've killed a few. I really just don't like it. <laughs> it's 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 hard for me, I guess, just because I don't have a lot of experience with it. Um, we hunted we hunted a family farm in Wisconsin and there's not a lot of birds there, so the first couple of years, you know, I'd go and hunt there for a weekend, and, you know, you might see a turkey, like, somewhere between showing up and leaving, Um, so that was pretty slow, and then when I moved to Iowa, you know, I would hunt, you can hunt, I think it's, like, 50 days, you know, with a bow, so I would hunt 30 days, and I would maybe see a turkey, and finally, I... (laughs) I would just go and hunt where like I had seen turkeys deer hunting, which apparently isn't the best way to do it. Um <laughs> and I would just show up and sit from dark until dark, thinking that if one's gonna walk by, by golly, I'm gonna shoot it. Um but then one finally walked by and I just blacked out and I shot like three arrows at it and <laughs> no idea what happened, just autopilot bad and that happened a few times and then I met some people that actually had some turkey hunting spots and knew a little bit more and killed some birds and so then I got to miss more turkeys and then I think it was like year six. I finally killed a turkey and it was my sixth shot, like my sixth encounter with a turkey just in that spring. Like I'd missed five other times. <laughs> but um I think that's on video, that's on YouTube I believe. So
1: yeah, yeah I, I saw killed that. a couple
2: after that. Yeah, that was the old one. But that was that was kinda of the end. I think uh I still go a little bit. I started building bows more then, and so then I kind of think, well, why am I sitting here, you know, for 12 hours trying to shoot turkeys and I could probably be building bows. And then I started getting into, like, the spring bear hunting instead and yada yada.
1: Yeah, I saw your YouTube videos. That was, like, pre-beard, Bob.
2: Oh, yeah, dude. It was a long time. Like, yeah, what was that? Uh, Must have been, like, five or six years ago. Yeah, when I killed that bird, I was probably 30. like the first turkey hunting video i guess oh the second turkey video was with uh like the first bow i killed anything with that i had built so yeah probably five years six years ago six years
0: ago seven you know somewhere right in there
1: yeah bob Um, do you do orland you do any turkey
0: hunting? no i mean i (laughs) used to back in the day like high school but not much anymore
1: my my only experience is uh Thanksgiving, whatever my mother-in-law pulls out of the oven.
0: <laughs> no, it's yeah. fun, man. It can get addicting for sure. Just, oh, right. Time to do it all. And you live in good turkey hunting area down there, James. That's where everybody goes. No,
1: no, no. That's not true. It's in the valley. There's really no turkeys here at all. Like zero.
0: Well, you're closer, I should say. Yeah. I'm an hour I am. away from it. I'm an hour.
1: Yeah, I'm an hour away from turkey hunting. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I've got some buddies that are really good at it now. I don't know. I don't know how they know, but they just, you go with them, turkeys show up, they just know where they're going, know where they're going to be at any given time of the day. And I'm sure it's a lot more fun for them. And it is fun if you show up and hear a bunch of gobbling and all that stuff. But the in-between gobbles is
1: a yeah, more I, than I care about. I haven't got into it because I usually have a spring bear tag in my pocket. And you'd brought up spring bear. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to now is, you know, winter's here and spring is around the corner. Um, so maybe tell us a little bit about, uh, your spring bear where you're doing that and, uh, are you going to do that this season and whatnot?
2: Oh, for sure. So yeah, I, I've given up spring turkey. Now I hunt spring bear, you know, men hunt spring bear is what I've heard. So uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I, I started hunting on west like six, five years ago. Must have been like five years ago. Um, And I kind of realized pretty quick that I was going to need some more boots on the ground if I was going to figure that out ever. Um, And obviously, you guys only got so much time in September, especially when you only got like a week or two of vacation at the time. So it seemed pretty obvious like I could go spring bear hunting and, you know, kind of like double up on my mountain experience and at least kind of get that figured out. So I think I went the first time three years ago? This will be my fourth year um, spring bear. And I, have well, I call it spring, I have a bear tag. I haven't shot at any bears. I've, I've seen a few, not very many, but uh, I've been going to central Idaho. Um, so kind of in the rainforest there. And the, what really sold it was I had found out like, when I was researching where I could go, of course you get spring bear in Idaho, not a lot of other options. And then they would have a reduced bear tag there that is particularly affordable so i thought well that's a done deal there you know i drive my hatchback out there and hunt bears for next to nothing um turns out they just give them reduced tags because it's kind of like tough to hunt them I, i i think there's a lot of bears there but it's just so thick that as far as i've wanted to spot and stalk them but um it was just it's it's some tough spotting and stalking going on so i think the first year we just did a death march um, and I thought, I don't know. We Googled Earth and we thought it was like five miles and it was like probably closer to 12 and it was 5,000 foot elevation to get to the ridge. And I don't know, we thought we were gonna get there like in like six hours of hiking and we only brought a couple of liters of water and we got there like the second day of hiking in the evening and there was feet of snow. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. Um, we did see a few bears before we left And uh, so then the next year, picked a different spot, went with my wife, actually, (laughs) which wasn't probably, I don't know. She did really good. She's a good, she's a hiking machine, but apparently she did one of those deals where, like, halfway across Montana, she said, you know, we're not going to be there for an entire five or six days. Yeah, you know, after I said we'd be there for five or six days for (laughs) six months, you know, (laughs) halfway across Montana, you know I'm only going to stay for, like, three tops. (laughs) <laughs> one of those deals, but you know, uh, I've heard funny. that before, right. <laughs> it's funny how she brought it up in Butte, you know i don't I don't know it, why it didn't come up before that.
1: It's one thing when your wife says it to you. It's another thing when your hunting buddy tells you that
2: oh yeah i don't I don't know if i I, I wouldn't be able to handle that, I don't think, yeah, no, um but we we went and we seen a few thousand cubs, and we just kept running in the snow everywhere I went um. So we went and she, she did good. And then we went and did some, what I think we saw Mount Rushmore and stuff on the way back, whatever. It's her vacation too, you know? Um, so.
1: Are you guys going in May?
2: I, uh, no. So I think the first year I went in mid May and we ran into snow early, like probably every year I've been there, there's been snow under 6,000 feet. Um, so then I went. And like the end of May, I believe, with her. And then last year, I went like the first two weeks of June because I thought, hey, I haven't spent a lot of time. I've seen some bears. I just need to go and like hunker down for a couple of weeks, you know, and I'll kill a bear. So I went a little later and they got a bunch of snow late. So there was still a bunch of snow, <laughs> like, you know, I think it was 6,000 feet, maybe with snow line. Um Spent a bunch of time, didn't find any sign. The first day I was there, i seen a bear at like 200 yards aboard. Um was taking a nap. I thought, boy, it's going to get up. I'm going to kill it. I don't know. I pretty much screwed that one and piddled it down my leg. I just watched him walk across the big grass opening, and I don't know. I thought he was going to stop and eat, and I would go kill him over there. But he just walked in a straight line right across it and <laughs> just walked out of my life. I I didn't see another bear in the daylight the rest of the two weeks. So,
1: yeah, they, those was, bears in June and the end of May or in the rut, and they just will walk. You'll think that they're going to stop. I've watched them, they just keep going, cruising. Right.
2: Yeah, I, so I don't know. It seems like if you go earlier there, there's a bunch of snow, or I'm not sure you're going to get somewhere where you can even see anything. And then if you go later, I well, technically you're getting into the breeding season, but yeah. I, don't know. I can't say them breeding, but I just so, had a hard time. I, Find and sign and stuff too, you know. Are
1: are,
2: are you sign. using this
1: for elk scouting also? Are you scouting the elk area but hunting the bears in the area that you plan to hunt elk? In? And I know that's what I do. Uh, I
2: no, I was going there because that was where the cheap bear tags were. Okay. <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of said like I would never go elk hunting there. Period, because it's it's some awful stuff, man. Like that central Idaho, I suppose, that goes further north, like. 17, 10, 12, kind of those units right across, like, from Lolo, right on the west side of the Bitterroot Range there. They are thick. And, like, the only place you can walk is right on, the like, the hiking trail. And if you go on either, you know, up or down the hill, I'm pretty sure you could just get hung up and die in the alderbrush, like, not ever be able to stand up again. Like, it's thick, thick, thick stuff. So, I don't know. I wasn't planning on ever elk hunting there, ever. When I was going there, now.
1: I see.
2: I've been hunting. I was hunting Elk in Wyoming for a few years there.
1: But, okay.
2: But uh, I guess to wrap up the bear the bear talk, I do plan on going again this year. Obviously, um, I do got a little bit different plan going this time though. Um, I've got some. I've got a contact in Lolo. I'll call him a contact. Old Tyler Carlson. So he did a little bit of baiting there in idaho right in those same, that same area um got some bears on bait um hit one and lost it and then killed one i think on the last weekend the last day of the season so kind of buddying up with him now so going to get a little bit of a hybrid hunt going i guess maybe do a little bumming around in the mountains and you know sit on the bait for a couple of days few days and maybe try to get a couple baits myself going and he was going to run a couple more so Hopefully, we'll have like a little bear camp action, a little baiting. Actually, shoot some bears, see some bears. So, it should be a good time. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And I guess I, I, we, Aaron from Primitive Pursuit is, is saying that he's going to come along. So that's that's pretty big news. Sweet. I guess.
0: <laughs> well, so, no, you'll <laughs> have you'll have a lot better better chance, I think, doing baiting them in that thick country. They're just hard to right. hard to find.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I'm pretty stubborn. Like, it's kind of in my head that I'm going to spot and stalk one, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm definitely going to give this baiting thing a whirl. <laughs> you,
1: you should consider <laughs> we'll trying to call – you should tr- consider trying to spot and call them in. Um I've had some luck with that. They can be very responsive to calling.
2: I've, I've carried a call around, but I guess a couple of times I've seen a bear, I never got it out.
1: yeah. So, I've used uh, a, an elk mouth read and just yeah, make okay. some god-awful calf, like screaming and crying and really carry on and put a lot of emotion into it. It really seems to piss sure. them off.
2: Yeah, not, yeah I've, I've heard that. I, I just, I don't know. Probably need to find some more bears.
1: Sure. <laughs>
2: spot, probably need to spot some more bears, get some more bears in front of me, try some different stuff with that, but... In the meantime we'll do some baiting and hopefully we'll get to watch some bears at least so that should be fun.
1: Absolutely.
2: Looking forward to that.
1: So you started coming out west for elk hunting, I presume. Why don't we uh start diving into uh how you got into elk hunting and I know a lot of guys back in uh the Midwest him and ha and you know want to come out west to do it but it's uh you know, to just really lace up your boots and get the gear together and come out and do it. Uh, why don't you tell us uh, how that all came together for you?
2: Sure. So, uh, I guess, actually, my first trip to Wyoming was for mule deer, legendary Unit G. Most people know that if they know much, but uh, me and my dad had gotten some Wyoming points together, and um, so we were going to go on a high country mule deer hunt. You know, we'd read the Cameron Haynes book, The Backcountry Hunting, and Boy, you know, we were, we talked about going with guns and, you know, that wasn't the dream. You know, the dream was to sock them and shoot them with a the bow. So we were going to go, you know, no guts, no glory, all in, all or nothing, going backpacking for some Alpine mule deer. <laughs> and, uh, it was a, it was a pretty big flop. <laughs> um, we, uh, I don't know. We, you know, like I said, we read the Cameron Haynes book and how you got to stick it out, you got to stick it out. So, I think we showed up I – mean, I, the season opens on the 1st, so I think we went out on the weekend. So we had – it must have been like a couple of days before the actual opener. It's like we were going to hike into this area, and, you know, blast up all these deer or whatever, and, you know, be ready to kill them on opening day. Um, and we ended up packing out before the opening day even, <laughs> and we're back <laughs> to the truck. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and then we never packed back in. Uh, <laughs> we, so, so much for being tough like Cameron Haynes I guess
0: uh, so, but, uh, so why here. Why why did you guys Pack out like what maybe just Kind of go over that a little bit For the,
2: right. you know, the so, Midwest
0: guys that are coming out
2: Right so we didn't really know I don't know I guess we didn't Know what we were looking for Per se like on Google Earth or anything But um, So there was a lake up there. It looked like maybe some deer would be around. Um, We got up. It was a lot thicker than we thought. Like there wasn't going to be a lot of, I don't know. It wasn't what I thought like you wanted for alpine mule deer. It was pretty thick timber. Um, And then the the domestic sheep showed up. Like in the couple little basins or whatever, ridges where you might be able to spot something and put a move on it. The the sheep moved in, which we didn't know there was domestic sheep going to be around. Which turns out there's a lot. Um, <laughs> so I don't. We we did that. We seen a bunch of elk, um, but we kind of just thought we should go somewhere else because we didn't spot any deer. And I think we glassed an evening and morning and an evening, and didn't see a mule deer. Um, so we figured that was probably not a good sign. But whether it was domestic sheep or elk related or just no mule deer there, um, we didn't turn up any mule deer. So. That was kind of why we packed out and then we didn't pack back in again because we we were reluctant to buy any new gear um you know we we didn't need all these you know fancy backpacks or like backpacking gear or nothing Um, so we were going to try it out first and see if it was something we'd like before we spent a bunch of money on it which is probably a good idea like so i think my backpacking tent alone weighed like nine pounds I'm not sure why it was labeled a backpacking tent, but it was nine pounds. It was leaky. It was, <laughs> it was, it's an awful backpacking tent. Um I had it for like 10 years already at that point. But, you know, so I think we we were probably, I think we were at like 60 pounds, 65 pounds when we went in, like with no water, just like food for a few days and our camping gear. I mean, it was, we had, you know, we looked like the Clampets. We had like milk jugs strapped to the outside of our external packs to like carry water and like, sleeping bags and sleeping pads and tents slashed on, you know, every place we could. Um, So we we weren't finely tuned for backpacking. So that was what we we determined pretty early on after that first, basically just hiking in two miles. (laughs) We decided we weren't probably going to be able to do that again. Um, So then we we moved on. We went down the road, looked for some deer.
0: Did you guys, were you guys able to find any just – doing day hikes and stuff. Is that what you did the rest of the trip?
2: Yep. Yep. So we ended up, I think we did, uh, I think we went, I forget. Uh, well, we ended up going down the road to a different spot. That was a lot more just, you know, open Alpine stuff. Um, and actually we were setting up the tent on opening day, you know, there we are at noon on opening morning, just setting up our camp, you know, as we botched our <laughs> botched plan. Number one, like a couple of candies, um, and here comes some young man. Dylan Hobbs was his name. He comes walking down, and he's got a big, nice, big old four-point velvet buck on his pack, you know, all loaded up, one load. He, he comes struggling out, and he, like, throws his pack down by us, so we're talking to him. Um, he was from Wyoming, and he had, I don't know, he'd gotten pretty into the bivy hunting stuff, so he had parked his car, like, you know, a mile or two up the road, up the ridge, so He was a super nice kid and in in exchange for a ride back up to his Jeep, like he gave us his map and told us where he had killed this buck and showed us some pictures of some other bucks that he had seen and whatnot. So we were able to just kind of day hike in there, um, and just day hunt from where we were, where we were parked. Um, I think he was expecting to have to like backpack in further, um, than where he did and kill that buck on the opening morning there. So, so thanks to him, we got to, we got to chase some bucks. Um, I think my dad, well, so we, we were trying to, another big bonk on our part, we were trying to glass these deer from a past, and I want to say it was two and a half or three miles or something, <laughs> like, it was over two miles to where we were glassing the deer at. So the first day, my dad made a stalk. And, you know, of course, we we, we went after him right away. We didn't wait for him to move to their second bed, which turns out that's what you do. Now, we know that now. But, you know, so it took him five hours to get over there, and the buck had been gone for, you know, four of them. (laughs) And then the next day, we seen the buck – I think they were different bucks, but same area, same general – or same bowl or whatnot, basin. Um, And uh, that time, we did figure that I should go along the top instead of through the bottom like he did – but of course, same deal. We, I went right after him right in the morning. Um, by the time I got over there, three and a half hours later, he was not in the same bed. And somehow I bumped him. Uh, just my dad hadn't seen where he had gone. He'd gone into a little patch of timber. Um, so I just kind of crunched down, figuring out where I was going to go. Because, of course, you know, we were thinking, hey, we're going to do binocular signals or whatever. Well, I don't care who you are, you can't see the signal that three miles with your binoculars, you know. <laughs> so I'm looking to see where he's at and I'm not even sure I see him and trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I just happened to be squatted down and see, hear something bust from, I don't know, it's probably inside of 30 yards, but he must have just caught a little whiff of me or, or something. Um, so that buck ended up. It ran down, and he probably went to about 40 yards just downhill from me, and bedded back down on another side, like on the other side of a log. So I was shimmying down, thinking, "Holy smokes, you know, I'm going to get down to this log and I'm going to kill this deer." And he ended up bedding down and standing up a few different times, and I got to 25 or so. I don't really know. It was it was getting so I was starting to think about, you know, I'm hey, I'm going to get a shot, and uh, I think he uh, ended up just catching a little too much of the old wind there and just kind of got up and walked off so that was that was kind of our big hot action we did some day hunting from uh kind of just like we would go up there and hunt in the morning and then we would do some just kind of like slinking around in the afternoon kind of closer to camp and i'd seen a lot of deer but turns out they would always just be like see their white rump and then you know their heads are like kind of right over them you know looking at you kind of a deal <laughs> i was not very stealthy with the still hunting apparently um so I don't know. That's kind of what happened for the next week or the first week of the season is, is just, you know, bumping deer basically and uh, making three-mile stalks, which is, <laughs> I don't know why we did did that. I mean, we could have very easily gotten, you know, up to the edge of the basin that we've seen all the deer and, and you know, blast them from there or relocated them from there. But I I don't know. I guess when you don't know, you don't know, right? <laughs>
0: yeah that's why you go figure it out sounds like a pretty good you know first trip though good lessons learned
2: right um so I think we ended up going to one more spot after we kind of buggered that one to uh, booger that one to crap and that one ended up being a lot more of a timber situation again and we ended up hearing a bunch of bull bugling but uh i think we seen seen a i think there was like a little fork at horn in camp or something like that and, of course we didn't want to shoot a corgat horn at camp, I guess. <laughs>
1: we're,
2: we're too elite for that, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so that was kind of it. I think we ended up actually packing it up a day or two early and heading back because we didn't know what else to do and we were pretty, pretty tired. So, um,
0: so I will say that
2: on am phone from that, like the you catalog without like phone calls were made and then days later, um, <laughs> Like lots of money was spent
1: <laughs> on on gear,
2: uh, so.
1: And so yeah. those bulls bugling—was that the first time you'd heard bulls bugle? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I think when we had packed into that first spot, there was a bull with a little group of cows, and he did quite a bit of bugling. So we got to watch him quite a bit. And then that last day, um, we didn't actually see the bulls. They were just up in the drainage. I think there's—we thought for sure a few of them. But they were ripping pretty good, so that was pretty awesome.
1: And that's uh, enough for a guy to want to uh, come back for some elk hunting, I, I could imagine.
2: You know, just just fortunately, we had enough points to draw tags for there, and and we went back to the exact same spot the next year for elk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Perfect. Awesome. Funny
2: how that happens, huh? <laughs> so the mule deer spot was kind of a bust, but by golly, we we thought we found a pretty good elk hunting spot. <laughs> So, so that's, nice. yeah. So I guess, should we move on or? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you got some kuyu gear and you heard some bugles and, and you got points oh, yeah. to, to return to uh Wyoming to the same spot. It sounds like uh, the beginning of something yeah, was,
2: good. Yeah. So a couple you know, thousand dollars later or whatever, I, I had about every piece of kuyu gear you could buy and nothing that I had brought the first year and, I suppose I cut like 20 pounds off my pack, 25, 30. I don't know, a lot. Um, so yeah, we ended up going back the next year for elk. We had a group of guys go, a um, couple of couple of younger fellows, and then a uh, couple of my dad's buddies went. So we kind of had like a group of six that split up and kind of went our separate way. Or five, five. My dad and his boss went, and uh, me and a couple of younger fellows went another way, and. Uh, my dad ended up. My dad and his boss did not fare very well. I think uh, they hiked. I don't. I don't remember the god awful amount of kilometers they might, They're big meters, guys. And how many kilometers? Um, hundreds of kilometers, and they'd seen you know six elk in eleven or twelve days. And somehow they ended up. My dad killed a bull on the last day, or second to last day, or something like that. Um, after just a tough, tough tough hunt, just finding some elk. Um, and then on the other hand, me and these other two young fellas, I, I we've we seen a ton of elk just everywhere we went. There were elk, and everywhere we went, we were just bumping elk, just, just bumping elk. It was – it's hard to describe how many elk we bumped in, in 14 <laughs> days or 12 days. I mean, it's uh, – if there was an elk around, we figured out a way to spook it. I mean, it was pretty good. Um, we were efficient, I would say, um, but, so we ended up, I guess, the, like, the first day, we hiked into a spot, and had no idea where we were going, we seen some cows hiking up to the ridge, got up over the ridge, where we were going to maybe go try to camp, and, uh, like, we're setting up camp, and there's, a you know, there's a calf and a cow a few hundred yards from the camp, so we get all the rest of our stuff set up, and we're kind of watching this cow, and then there's a whole herd of cows, and then... A nice six-point bull comes out and, like, a bunch of dopes. We just sat there at camp and watched these elk at, you know, a 400 yards. You could have shot them with a rifle. Like, we never said, hey, should we go after them? I think we thought they're gonna like we were going to go let them bed down or I don't know what the hell we were thinking. Like, we just watched them walk by, though. Like, we never got our bows or nothing. <laughs> just watched them walk by. Um, so that was, I don't know, that one's pretty embarrassing to talk about. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what we were thinking. But that's what happened. Um,
0: you were so soaking, we you were soaking up, it all in and you forgot to go chase them. That was what happened.
2: Right. I guess we thought we were being stealthy. Like, oh, we're going to make a good play on them later. Well, I'm pretty sure we just want those elk out that night anyway. So it's, it's fine. Um, but there ended up, there was one mountain there that we would, um, kind of did most of our hunting on. And, uh, you know, we glass up elk, go up there and pump them and. <laughs> Come back and the next day there'd be some elk somewhere else and then we'd go up there in the afternoon. Were you guys
0: trying to call and, and go that route or were you just sneaking around? We did a
2: little bit of a Yeah. Um, I think my buddy, uh, basically, so I guess me and another fella kind of hunted together more often and then the other guy was kind of trying to hunt some wallows and stuff down along the bottom. Um, he was, he was bumping out down in the bottom on wallows and, me and the other fellow would go up to the mountain and try to do the calling and then we would try to like ambush them where we had seen them before. Um, we tried to do some stalking. We kind of tried it all, you know, uh, at one point I had gone after some cows. Uh, he didn't, you know, he had a compound and he wasn't very interested in shooting cows. He was holding out for a bull. His first, you know, first elk hunt ever, you know, he's not shooting a cow. So he, you know, let me. Pushes me up the hill so I can go after these cows because I heard some cows mewing. So I'm following them along, and at some point, you know, we're mewing back and forth, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, it sounds like they're coming back. I don't know. So there I stand behind a tree, and eventually, I finally have enough, and I, you know, I'm gonna peek out from behind this tree, and there was a nice, nice big ball at you know eight yards coming right to me, and uh, that was kind of the end of that deal. I don't, you know, I guess it turns out you don't want to call from behind a tree um which we did a lot of also um, <laughs> like more than once or twice but uh yeah so we kind of just cleared off that whole mountain uh, <laughs> with some wallow <laughs> with some wallow hunting some still hunting some ambush hunting some calling uh they really the whole nine
0: um nice now wh- were there elk bugling every day on this mountain
2: Uh, yeah, I would say there was, there was quite a bit of bugling. Um, we were there the first two weeks. It was a fair amount of bugling. Wow. Um, especially in comparison to like what I've heard since then. Um, you know, (laughs) they wouldn't, they weren't necessarily ripping, but you know, it wasn't uncommon to hear them bugling in the morning at night, you know, um, so after, I don't know, that probably only took like four days or something, and we had, you know, totally blown this spot. And uh so we just kind of like went a little ways and went back up over the ridge. And uh what do you know, there was elk all over there also. I suppose we just bumped them to that side, and then we just followed them over and, you know, proceeded to bump elk there too. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's any real good ones we bumped some cows and some real thick down, you know, that stuff with the waist tie tipped over timber and you can't, you know, take a step without climbing on a log, just awful hellhole stuff. And we kicked some cows up, a cow and a calf, I suppose. And they like stopped in the only shooting range in this entire drainage, you know, I don't, 30 or 40 yards. I had no idea. I didn't have range finder and I'm trying to get my buddy to shoot them. You know, it's it's been a week, you know, shoot this cow. But he, you know, <laughs> didn't want to do it, so we we passed on him, I guess, is what happened. Legit passed, and, uh, of thing, did you do any other real boners? Um
1: Now, had he killed elk before?
2: No, this was his first elk hunt.
1: <laughs> he was just had his heart set on some horns, huh?
2: He was killing a bull. He's like, I'm killing a bull, so it might have even been the same day we were sitting on a point along this ridge, like a finger. And, you know, it's steep enough that we're discussing if we should, you know, if we're even going to try to go down this ridge or if we're going to like walk around it. And then I spotted a bull feeding with a cow. And so of course then, you know, seconds later we're running down this ridge that we weren't sure we wanted to walk down, you know, a few minutes before. Yeah. Um, and he ended up shooting that bull. It was a small six point ended up we i don't know how it happened but it was pretty much perfect we were across the creek from him. thermals were going straight down we came in like right parallel with him like it was pretty much a perfect stock Uh just i don't know i got a little lucky somehow and uh so i think he ended up shooting it at 72 yards or something
1: with his compounds yeah
2: yeah with the compound um so that was pretty awesome it looked pretty good i was watching it you know, he had all the time in the world. <laughs> I remember he ranged it, and he was, like, breaking branches on a tree, and then he thought he could go to a different tree. and He went and broke some branches over there, and the thing's just feeding in this little hole in the pine trees and, you know, just feeding, quartering away. And then finally he turns, and then he gives them the quartering away the other side, and I was getting a little anxious, thinking, you know, let's let's get her done, bud. But uh, all the time in the world, looked like a good shot. We ended up taking the blood up, couldn't find him. Um... And we ended up losing some blood, got stuck on a spot after a few hundred yards and uh, ended up going back to camp. So, you know, of course, there's our poor buddy, you know, that had been hunting by himself, sitting by some, you know, pitiful looking fire at midnight, you know, because he'd been there for four hours waiting for us to <laughs> wait for us to show up. But uh, he was pretty excited. So the next morning we went back and somehow we picked up a drop of blood going across like a rock chute you know, another couple hundred yards from where we'd lost blood and um, did a bunch of just basically came down to a grid search and uh, ended up spotting them out in a big, just steep open shoot. I guess, another, probably another 400 yards from where we had lost blood. So that was that. But then we got the pack of bull out.
0: Nice. And,
1: uh, so yeah. all these elk that you're you say you're bumping, do you think looking back on it, was it, the, uh, calling that you're using? Was it the wind that you couldn't um, keep track of? Uh, what do you think was going wrong so often being in a place with so many elk and, and not being able to, uh, you know, at least get close to them?
2: Right. So I would say it was a little bit of all of the above. Um, I don't think our calling was particular. We didn't do a lot of calling. Um, the, two, the two guys I was with weren't real comfortable calling in general. So Um, They didn't call much, if at all, Um, and I did a little bit, but not a bunch. It was a lot of just, you know, I feel like it was a lot of stuff we would never do if we were hunting like back in Wisconsin or Iowa. You know, we would, you know, we would. Why would you call behind a tree? Or you know, at one point the guy walked to the middle of a meadow and like did some cow calls, and you know, next thing, a bull standing there in the middle of the meadow with you, and you're just standing there like a, you know, like a bozo. And it's just not, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go and call turkeys, you know. Or, you know, these guys are good turkey hunters, so they wouldn't go and just sit in the middle of a field and try to call turkeys in or you know, they wouldn't sit behind a tree when they started calling. Um we didn't we were not very wind conscious, you know. We were all pretty successful whitetail hunters and you know, live by the wind, die by the wind, but I feel like it was just a really big overload, just just kind of a senses overload where I wouldn't say there was a lot of thinking about, like, hunting smart or, you know, you just thought, hey, there's some elk. Let's get over there and, you know, I guess just kind of rush it.
1: Right. Um, and in, of, the, in uh, that big country, it's easy to want to take the path of least resistance instead of trying to check oh, the wind and, and do big hooks and leave the animals and try to come back to them. And I know I've been guilty of right, that for yeah, sure.
2: That. <laughs> not when it's, you know, you guys have been not – not exactly mountain savvy fellas. So, you know, yeah, we're trying to just take like the short route. Um, and that yeah, was just a lot of that stuff. Um, just kind of silly mistakes, kind of being lazy, I guess, or just not really thinking, um, to be fair though. I mean, I have a, it took me a couple of years just to get used to like camping out in the mountains or, you know, I would, I feel like I put a lot of thought into, like, where are we going to camp? Like, where are we going to get water at? Like, are we going to be able to make it back to camp in the dark? Like, uh, you know, how are we going to get over there or, you know, just like kind of just being there hunting issues, let alone like actually trying to figure out how to, how to kill the elf. I mean, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So
1: like what, like, like what, like what, how did things, how did you evolve? You know, what things changed as far as gear or your tactics to navigate those situations?
2: I I think it was just an experience thing. Um, I, I don't think it was, uh, I mean, my gear's gotten a lot better, but I think a lot of it's just more time in the mountains, you know, just so that you're a lot more comfortable. You know, you're not, you're not worried about where you're finding water. Hey, can I, I wonder if I can even walk up that Ridge or how are we going to get over there where that elk is? You know, you're just a lot more comfortable. Um, and now we're I would say I'm getting to the point where more it's uh, hey, how are we gonna go and kill that critter? You know? That's right. It's just a big difference I noticed. Like whitetail hunting, you know, it was you're always thinking, How am I gonna go and kill this deer with this such and such wind? Like where am I gonna get into a tree where I'm gonna have the best chance to kill a deer? Like I'm not worrying about <laughs> can I climb up the tree? Like am I gonna fall out you know, right. how am I gonna find my stand? So
1: now are um, you backpack hunting exclusively for elk and how many days? Are you going on your trip uh, period and how many days are you going out before returning to get more gear? I mean, what does that look like for you guys in your hunts?
2: Right. So we, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty much just have it in my head that I have to backpack. Um, I am coming to the realization that a 10 day backpack hunt is darn near impossible. I mean, either, either because there's not any animals there and you don't want to stay there for 10 days or just how are you, where are you going to hike for 10 days or hunt for 10 days and not, you know, so that, of course, like at the beginning, you think you're going to go on some big, you know, epic backpack hunt and you're going to go for, you know, you've got two weeks to go and hunt and you're going to, you know, take like 12 days of food and you're just going to leave and never come back. Like you're coming back with an elk, that's it. But um, it's definitely not very realistic or a, a good idea plausible idea I guess is kind of what it's coming to make seem like um, so now it seems like a lot more often it's more of a um, probably like a three day thing maybe or two right. days or you know, we're a couple few miles and I guess you just save yourself a three mile hike you know typically, technically you could probably just day hunt for like a lot of this backpacking going on um, you're just saving yourself a two or three hour hike in the dark each way I guess um, it's kind of what it boils down to
1: yeah. I think, uh, a lot of guys that are new to elk hunting, um, and I don't have a lot of experience. I've done some backpack hunting, but not a lot. But I think that I had the same type of idea. Like, yeah, I'm going in there for 12 days. And then on day three, we don't have elk and we're packing out and we're going into a new spot and, and you're coming in and out. Like you said, you realize that, that, yeah, you're not going to go in there for two weeks more than likely. And, um, everybody wants to go deep so you're running into that and you know i think you come to the realization that you know you don't have to backpack hunt. like a lot of uh, great elk hunting can be had on day hunting and you can stay in a nice comfortable wall tent and eat uh, uh real food it's you know kind of the realization i've come to in a lot of situations um what, what do you think Borland?
0: Yeah. Um... I think a lot of people don't realize, too, a lot of our wilderness areas in, you know, Montana, Idaho, you know, Wyoming, we can't hunt as a non-resident. It's just bullshit, but a lot of those wilderness areas now have wolves and grizzly bears that are uncontrolled and have for, you know, 20 years. And even the areas where we can hunt them now in Wyoming and Montana, like, that's going to be the last place that they – get the wolves out of because it's the hardest to access and so just for predator control numbers i mean you know i listened to a podcast the elk shaped guy had this cool dude that's been hunting the cellways for 30 years every year they have a rifle rut hunt and he goes in there every year stays the whole time horsebacks in there and he killed an elk for like 25 years in a row and like the last five years he hasn't got nothing and Last year, I don't even think he saw an elk. And so I think, uh, that's another reason that, uh, you know, a lot of the wilderness backpack hunting, it's fun. I mean, it, the thing I like about it is when you're hunting out of a camp, it's, it always seems like you have that, like, that camp in the back of your mind. Like, you know, you have that comfort somewhere where it's like, Oh, I should go back to the truck or go back to camp, you know, and when you're, when you're out there, you know, just with the camp on your back, it's, you just, it's just kind of a little, little slower pace. You know, you can be like, oh, I'm just going to sit here for a while. And you know, you're not in a hurry to get anywhere and I'm always in a hurry. So it helps me to not hurry. So even if doing those little, like Bob's saying a little, you could hike in there during the day, but get getting up that time of year at four in the morning, hiking for an hour and a half, you know, hiking out after dark for an hour and a half. I mean, the nights get really short and being able to just, even if you could technically hike back, being able to just camp up there saves a ton of time and energy and you actually get some rest. So, And you you get to hear the elk, which is nice. And and then not being so deep also helps with moving around. You know, like I said that you can, if you're tree stand hunting in one drainage, you could stay there for 10 days, but you know, you start chasing them around and, Next thing you know, they're they're gone.
1: So. so, do you guys, either of you, have experience with? I've never actually backpack hunted where I kept the camp on my back. Well, I did go in with the camp on my back and kill an elk, and then have to come out that same night. So I guess I've done that, but I've always, you know, set up a camp and then hunted from there. Um, but it seems like it's becoming more popular, guys going light and keeping their camp on their back. And, and being mobile on wherever they go. Um, have, you, have you guys done that?
2: I have, yeah. Um, that's, I've kind of been fine-tuning. I guess that's kind of been my goal for the last, since that first trip. Um, so now I think this is just last September. Um, I pretty much had it whittled down to, I think I was under, what was I? I think I was like 25 base or something like that, um, you know, plus a couple of days of food and whatever, water. Um, which is pretty good for all my big stuff. So that was kind of what we did for the elk hunt specifically was just take two, I think, well, I think a lot of times we took three days of food, but a lot of times we were back in two days and just kind of slept under a tarp, wandered around looking for elk, looking for signs, threw up the tarp at dark or wherever we could and, you know, just basically stuck and moved for 10 days. Awesome. So, um, Bob, you, you done that? Yeah, I've never done it for that run, long.
0: I'm, I'm, ai am more of a lazy road hunter, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I've done it. We, we hunted Wyoming in an area that wasn't a wilderness and we packed in there, but I mean, shoot, I was like 22 years old, man. I'm like you want to talk about a heavy camp. <laughs> we, we were like five or six miles in and we actually, you know, those big foam pads, like the, oh, yeah. the ones you get at Walmart or whatever, like the first trip in, we, we, Hiked in there, we hunted for like four or five days and then we had to come out to get water and, and we were, there was three of us in, in a two man tent. So you can imagine how crammed that thing was. It was a nightmare. And so then when we get out, when we came out to like get more food, we're like, we were, oh, we we're also, we didn't bring stuff to cook. We were just eating MREs and it oh, was, yeah. it, it was a disaster, but when we went back in where like, my brother was like, screw it, dude, I'm sick of sleeping. I'm taking this pad. And I'm like, good idea, dude. We had those giant pads strapped to our back. It was a, it was a nightmare, but you, no, I've, I, the only, you know, like I don't do a lot of it where I hunt. And if I do, like I said, it's, it's going and checking out an area, going in deep somewhere for a night or, and then, you know, moving on from there. I don't, I don't have a ton of that good gear. I got a little black diamond tent I got from a buddy that, Big mountain climber for really cheap, you know, six, seven years ago. So I'll just throw that in when I'm going exploring. Didn't, didn't you and Scott
1: go hunt the cats?
0: Yep. Yep. But we had a, we were a uh, drop camp. We had somebody oh. do a drop camp. So we just, we had a wall tent that we'd go back to every night. And even there that back, you know, I was, that was nine eleven, So I was 21. It, w- it would have been nice to have all the good gear to where we could have spiked down stuff, but I was, I was
1: yeah. broke. I think that, uh, you know, for the guys that are listening that want to do it, 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 there's a lot of ways to go about it. And if you don't have all that gear, you're better off at least buying the tag and the gas money and hunting from your truck if that's what it takes to get out in the woods. Cause I've talked to a lot of guys. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go. I got a trip planned for uh, 2024. I've got to buy this and buy that, and get this and get that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like. Don't let all those years go by. Like get out there and do it however, even if you've got a you know, hunt from your truck or pack extra gear or whatever.
2: Right. Sometimes you carry seventy pounds in with no with no water.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess and, I like Bob was saying, just I think for us that live out here, the things that we don't you know that we take for granted or whatever, just like you're saying, just getting used to to the mountains and hiking around in them and you know, like where to camp, like all that stuff you're talking about. We don't even think about that. We're just like, you know, get out here and hunt, right. you know, see, you know, like what the heck, but, but all that makes sense. And like you said, if you, if you can't afford to buy all that stuff, find where there's a cheap tag and just go and, you know, get, take a couple of years, like you said, to get kind of used to it. And then, then if you want to, you know, go backpack and go for it. But my,
1: my tactic is, Basically now is to have, uh, my lunch, you know, my bear, you know, game bags, my bare minimum for a day hunt, but an extra coat, um, an extra, you know, a space blanket. Like if I have to spend the night for whatever reason, um, and I've done it just simply because the bulls are screaming and I don't, and I end up getting in there four miles and I just don't want to walk out that night. And I think I have a chance in the morning. Or that, you know, you you uh, have got one down or whatever. I'm prepared to spend the night, but it's never the plan. It's never planned to stay there. But to, you have this comfort knowing that you have stuff in your pack to make a fire, to spend the night if you need be. And then that keeps you, uh go, you know, the ability to go uh, hard all day long and know that if you have to stay, that you'll be okay. That's kind of my my forte when it when it comes to elk hunting. For sure, um,
2: I, I will throw like the disclaimer like it's not like I was a, a unwood savvy guy, you know. Like in high school, I would spend all summer sitting out in the, you know in my yard in a tent, you know, starting fires different ways, and like I'd done a bunch of camping. It was so it wasn't so much that I was just you know like a city kid or something, I, you know. It was mountains are just a lot different place than what i was used to
1: so i'm sure. disclaimer <laughs> sure definitely i
2: wasn't that weenie, but it's just really different and i will say if you're going to do some you know some lightweight divvy hunting the less stuff you have is good so if you don't have a lot of money that's probably helpful i mean you're going to have <laughs> less to carry you know <laughs> you, need, you need a tarp a sleeping bag you know like a still nylon tarp a sleeping bag in a backpack and you're you're pretty much set to go
0: yeah. yeah, we had, we had, uh, I don't know if you've listened to our Doug Borland podcasts, but I don't remember which one it was. The first one, I think when he was talking about him and his brother used to, they would mountain goat hunt this mountain called impossible mountain and they just took visqueen up there when they first started doing it. This <laughs> just, each of them yeah. took a chunk of visqueen and that was their tarp and tent and whatever. And, I mean, they're mountain goat hunting. You're like, gosh, I'm such a wuss. I need all this stuff. <laughs> For so, sure, yeah, there you go. there's your cheap tarp just get a roll of this queen and take that with you that way, if your tarp rips, you can go back to the truck and make a new one right <laughs> uh, yep yeah. so so let's uh we talked a little bit about gear let's let's dive into your season this this year and uh you know how how it went from start to finish, and we know it kind of finished good, so uh let's let's hear a little bit about. 2018
2: elk season elk season so yeah um went out to the same place that i had bear hunted
1: (laughs) Oh, i (laughs) I
2: did i did i you know i said i was never going it was pretty awful got my butt kicked bear hunting and uh got back and you know it's by this point it's end of june or whatnot and my buddy's wanting to go elk hunting and um, we had been going with a group of, you know, my dad and one of his buddies and a couple of my buddies. So we kind of had a group that had been doing the Wyoming draw. Um, and actually we got, we got lucky and played it right, you know, and got tags three years in a row, which from the looks of it now is not going to happen again anytime soon, if ever, um, <laughs> for general tags. Apparently you, you can't draw them with a point per person in a, in a group anymore. Um, but so those guys weren't very interested in going. It was just my one buddy from town here. Um, he hadn't killed an elk, and uh, he, he's dead set on killing an elk. I got to hit He's missed the elk. The guy is just not going to give it up. So um, we, we weren't going to. You know, we hadn't. It was too late. We couldn't draw Wyoming. Obviously, that was that was long gone. Uh, so it was over the counter stuff. Did a little punching around. You know, did some go hunt or whatnot, and you know, looked up some stats and fishing and game stuff. And apparently, where I just come back from bear hunt looked like as good a spot as any. So. <laughs> So, and we went um, back to central Idaho, um, just me and him, kind of planned on doing, like I said, just the real short trips. Um, we've been working on getting a better plan together, so I guess this year was, I don't know, it comes a little bit further each year. Um, so we were going to hunt, I guess where I had bear hunted was in the same zone, but he agreed to not book the same unit in the zone, <laughs> so at least I got to go to some different places. You know, it was not the exact same spot. Uh, so we had picked out a bunch of different spots. And, of course, you know, we picked the spots like the biggest chunks with no roads and whatever. And then you get there and you realize, you know, you definitely overshot that. You know, like we don't need a 20 square miles chunk with no roads. i still trying to tone that back down. But uh, drove out. The plan was to basically try to get a good eye on, you know, a couple of these different areas. Um, and then kind of pick where we thought looked good based on hunting pressure and all this good stuff, and you know, just start going in for short little two, three day trips. Um, spent the first night at the truck, kind of drove back down off the mountain, and uh, ended up going to the second spot. and He had had enough driving, you know, by this point, it's a 24 hour drive out there, and then we drove around in the mountains for the rest of the day and <laughs> drove, you know, back off the mountain. So he says, I'm going hunting. So we didn't get to go and check out all the spots, but, uh, took our gear, hiked in, um, didn't get very far. We were just going to head up to a ridge and start walking ridgeline and, uh, kind of just sat down on, sat down on a finger, going to have a break and, uh, spotted a bear right off the bat, uh, eating huckleberries and, uh, sitting there watching him. And next thing you know, a bull shows up, um, comes slipping out and creeping out of nowhere. So we're kind of paying attention to what he was doing and he was, he was on a little Ridge, like on a little finger Ridge. Um, when I think there was six bears, six bears and one just muddied up wallowed up bull. And there's bears, like there's literally bears eating berries, bears having naps, bears fighting. And like this bull was just kind of slinking around in between them, (laughs) kind of, kind of had enough, kind of, you know, staying that was staying to himself. But, uh, so obviously we're gonna made a, we didn't want to sit and watch this one like we did you know years ago, so we ended up getting work, uh, walked up around on the ridge line there and you know bumped another bear, um, almost got in the bow range of that because I still had a bear tag from the spring. Um, kind of got all the way around, tried to relocate him that night, uh, couldn't find him again. Um, did a little cow call and nothing too nothing too fancy, and uh, just couldn't find him again that night. So somehow the, the the ridge we were going to hunt that appeared to be a trail up there you know and we were going to just you know kind of walk this trail and you know cover some ground see if we could hear some bugles or whatnot i guess go born and raised just walking bugle i guess was the plan to be honest um, <laughs> and we got up there and we realized that the trail was overgrown to to crap like we couldn't hardly you know we didn't end up finding it later on but i mean it was thick 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 and uh next thing you know we're in the middle of this you know over your head high brush and we can't hardly move and we're <laughs> not sure where we're going to go because it's getting dark you know we need to find a camping spot and somehow we found a little spot in some trees and got the tarp thrown up that night um we settled down you know have our dinner settle down and uh getting ready to go to bed there under the tarp we're both under the same tarp and uh <laughs> you start hearing a, a wolf howl like, not far from camp, and I'm like, oh, man, well, you know, that's, that's it, and then the bull answers, and like, the wolf howls, and the bull answers, and like, well, this guy isn't going to hang around, but they just kept going back and forth, and uh, eventually, like, I heard, you know, it's real thick, leafy jungle stuff or whatever, so I hear, like, some leaves brushing the side of, like, an animal, and I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, like, and of course, I'm like, sit up right away, and I, you know, got the Got the Glock handy now. And my buddy has just got his head buried in his sleeping bag, like in his quilt. Like he didn't even, like, he acted like he couldn't even hear it. (laughs) Apparently he thought I had it handled, I guess. So I'm sitting here and I'm listening, you know, sure as shit, like something is brushing on the side of an animal. And then it gets a little closer. And then I start hearing, like, huffing, like, (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, man, like, it is a bear for sure. Now, like, coming in getting a good whiff from my camp, like, we're about to have an encounter. And it keeps coming. And then it just lets the bugle so close that I'm pretty sure you could heard his ball slapping on his belly. Like, it was right there. Never seen it. You know, it's full moon. I can see everywhere around camp, but it's so thick. Like, I can't see this bull at all. Um, he ended up coming back, like, three or four times that night. You know, basically just throughout the night, wolf howling, bull bugling, another bull would come up, you know, rip one to rattle the tent or rattle the tarp a little bit and then, you know, kind of bust off. Um, every time oh, I thought awesome. it was a bear, every, every time I'd be like, oh man, it's a bear this time. Maybe the last time I calmed down a little bit, but like my buddy never even, never even like <laughs> got his head out of his quilt. He just <laughs> hunkered down. So we got up in the morning and, you know, of course you're hoping that, you know, it's midnight and you're hoping just keep bugling a few more hours. Like we're going to kill you in the morning. And of course, you know, they quit at two or whatever. Um. Mm-hmm. So morning comes, and we're pretty notorious for, like, we'll hunt until dark or after dark. But me and this fella in particular are not real good at getting up in the morning early. So, you know, sun's coming up. We're, you know, getting ready to hunt as usual. And we figure we'll let up a couple of bugles, you know, see if we can get this guy to answer if he's still around. And we ended up calling the sucker back to, like, camp while we were eating our oatmeal. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, is that a, you know, here's sticks breaking. Is that an elk? No, it's not an elk. You know, whatever. Um, it was it was close, and uh, I assume it was an elk. It ended up busting off, and we got it to bugle down on the other, you know, both bull bugled on, on a different finger from where we were. So we ended up going around and tried to wait for the thermals to go up, and we kind of thought we knew where it was, and we came down, and we ended up finding some elk sign, um, but we were needing some water. So we were kind of heading around, going to try to, you know, get in close on this bull, you know, do some calling, and then head down back to the creek and get some water, um, just never, never relocated. And we did kick up another really big bear there though. Um, so at that point we got down, got some water, hadn't gotten anywhere near where we wanted to go. Um, so of course, I mean, don't, don't want to be a sissy. So we start hiking along the creek to where we were going to go, check that out. So we can say we went there, ran in some guys on horses. And, uh, of course, you know, they'd been in there for like a week, five days, hadn't seen uh, like an animal, they said, <laughs> nothing. But then you're real fired up to go. Um, but we ended up getting down to about where we were wanting to go. There was some real, uh, kind of just look funny, you know, it's a big ridgeline. And then, you know, it's Idaho, it's all steeper than crap, thick, thick, thick. And then there was just a big flat spot, and there was like a bunch of marsh symbols. And on Google, it looked like, you know, it was kind of just low, wet, more like a Wyoming kind of deal. Um, so we were going to go up there and check that out. So we load up with six liters of water, and, you know, we climb 1,200 feet up this, you know, in between the boulders to get, to get up to where we think we're going. We get up there, and it's thicker than snot, and We set up camp, and we're talking it over. And at this point, we hadn't accepted the jungle suck yet. So, you know, we're thinking there's got to be a better place than this. Like, we can't see 10 yards. You know, we need to go and find somewhere where we can see something. Like, how are we going to spot any elk? They're going to hear us coming through all this brush. You know, it's not going to work. So in the morning we ended up dumping, you know, five of our six liters that we had just carried up the hill out, and you know, walked back to the truck, um, looking for this, you know, easy to hunt spot. Apparently, um, made a big drive all the way to the other corner of the unit. It took us I, what it was. It's was like 120 miles of you know forest service road. So it was you know 15 miles an hour. It was like a it was like a five hour drive, <laughs> but. Uh, so the the grass a,
1: wasn't greener on the other side, was it?
2: Uh, no, I, no, it looked the exact same. Um, <laughs> there were some burns over there. Um, you know, And my buddy, you know, he listened to all your podcasts and stuff now, and Rainy Newberg says you gotta hunt the burns, you know. Gotta, gotta hunt the burns, so he had his, uh, onyx or whatever with the burn layer on there, and there was no burns where we were. So we had to go and check out these burns. Um, so we did, and, you know, we, we didn't see any help. <laughs> Didn't see any elk, didn't see any sign, hiked in, a guy had just ran into a guy, um coming back out and of course, you know, hadn't seen nothing, hadn't seen hey, anything. Hey, let, so let me
1: give you uh, some advice to the listeners. If you run into me in the woods and I tell you I haven't seen nothing, I'm lying. Uh <laughs> right. So that's uh, like the
2: big debate. We have that debate. Like you can't you can't not go, not because he might be lying.
1: Yeah, they're but lying. Like, that's Like Always assume they're anything. lying.
2: Oh, right. But then, like, in the back of my head, like, I'm still thinking, well, maybe he didn't see anything. Like, and it's a little harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, but the guy's not going to say, yeah, I've seen bulls all over either. So, yeah, I, no. I, I don't know. It's a lose-lose. I'd just rather see nobody. Uh, I'd rather yeah. Not <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so we didn't, we didn't really like that. I don't even think we spent the night there. Um, We ended up finding a spot we could glass the other side of a valley and some pretty good looking stuff. So hey, we're, we thought we were getting smarter. So we're like, we'll just set up and glass this. Like, and if we see anything, like we can, you know, work around and we'll get, we'll get in there. It was getting pretty deep um, for, you know, a couple guys to just pack in and carry a bull out. It looked like, so didn't end up glassing anything up. So we said, good thing. We didn't waste our time going over there. Um, went to a kind of just went to a different road, looped around, um, actually ended up coming up just on the other side from where we were glassing anyway. Um, got in there i think we spent two nights there um found a couple uh I, I don't even know if there were so much wallows it's just kind of water holes kind of open looked inviting um so we spent a couple of evenings we went and hunted those um kind of split up and you know we each found there were some there were some tracks down there and some elk crap like nothing real fresh though um did some glassing one evening and uh didn't, you know, I could see miles and miles and miles, and you know, nothing. Like not a deer, not a bear, not an elk. Like nothing. So we ended up packing, packing up camp from there. Um, we did hear a bugle. It was foggy in the morning the one day, and uh, you know, it's starting to break finally at ten. And man, you know, my buddy says, I think you, you think you'd be hearing a bugle, there's a bugle. So holy buckets, you know, we let a bugle rip, and it's coming right towards towards us. Luckily the, the guys on the horses, I don't think they heard us bugle in the wind. So like, I don't think they knew they called us in from like the little point, <laughs> from the little point we were on. But, uh, we did see some guys on horses heading into our spot there with no help. So, um, and we got called in. We we're just, we were excited, you know. So, uh, we packed up and we started hiking out of that spot and we heard a bugle. It was noon or something it was late in the morning and we heard a bugle like way 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 down you know we're walking ridgeline and it's we couldn't even tell for sure how far down like it was a couple thousand i don't know way down in this hole so we ended up going back to the truck spent the night or no i think we ended up going back to the truck went in on a different logging road to where we thought the bull was ended up relocating the bugle again that evening um so at this point we were getting pretty sure to where he was like you know he was trying to seem like he was in the same spot in the you know middle of the day in the evening um and that logging road got us within a mile of him i suppose um so we camped at the truck went back in the morning to the end of that road um got him bugling or i think he was bugling on his own we thought he was closer than he was We thought he was on our side of the valley but he was not so lo and behold um, we did end up seeing some cows, and we seen this one bull. Um, he kind of worked his way through some brush, did a little feeding, and then ended up back in the same place from the, you know, evening and afternoon before. So we bomb off into the hole, um, thought we had a pretty good pinpoint, you know, on our little topo map where we were going. Um, got in there. didn't really like the wind, so we were waiting until closer to midday, you know, get the, up, get the thermals going up. Um, it was kind of not great. So then we went to the next ridge, and it was better. So we thought, this is it. Started calling, and he ended up, he answered. Um, and, you know, I went with the heavy-duty, going to kick-your-ass, <laughs> biggest bugle I could muster. And he got a little fired up, um, kind of got a little bit closer. We realized we were not a 100 yards away. So then we're trying to run at him and, you know, doing some cow mewing while we're running to make it seem like we're some elk. And he really wasn't into that. Um, and we ended up just blowing him off of his little bedding spot there with all of his cows Had um, a, you know, good 1,500-foot 1500, 1500 walk of shame back up to the ridge, to the trail, to to, to loop around. But uh, I think we did pretty good. It was just, you know, we were not as close as we thought we were. We should have been about another 100 yards closer, but I guess what do you do? Um, so at that point, we were down to, like, I think we had, usually we were hunting like 10 or 12 days, um, but just because of the way he had some stuff going on and whatever, we didn't get to leave as early, we had 10 days to hunt. Um, I think we were down to two days or something like that. So I'm trying, I was convincing him to go back to where we had seen all these bears, you know, because you could tag a bear with a health tag and I had a bear tag. And, you know, maybe at least we could shoot a bear in the last couple of days. And, you know, we had five hours like to drive in the direction we needed to go anyway, like at least like cut her down a bit um so we ended up heading back to the first spot we had hiked in um i guess mostly hoping to find some bears really um did see a couple of bears um looped over to where we had seen that bull the first day kind of glassed there in the evening um didn't didn't turn up nothing i went inside a little water hole uh he glassed where that bull we had seen the bull and then we had found a little water hole way up high on the ridge that was covered up in bear, bear sign. Um, so I sat that in the evening, eat glass, um, didn't see nothing. I think I, well, I saw a bear leaving the water hole, going down to the water hole. And uh, I think he seen one bear way off on the other side of the canyon at dark. Um, went to bed, slept in the same lousy camping spot. Um, but, uh, no bugles. You know, of course you're praying for bugles. Um, got up in the morning, went back to the same little point praying to God we're gonna see a bear or an elk or something. Um, and at one it was it was late. it was nine um, not probably nine in the morning or so and he spotted an elk with his binoculars and by the time he pointed out where it was, I think I saw its rack and like at top of its head and then it was and we'd probably seen it for like ten seconds before between the two of us. So we had a pretty good we thought it was gonna go and bed on the other side of the finger. Hopefully there's a little pocket of timber there we knew. Um and some water coming down through there. So we were hoping that it was just gonna go and bed up on that timbered side of the next canyon over. Um so we figured that would be kind of our last play um for the trip. You know, we had brought just that was again that was our last day. Um we had a couple liters of water, a liter of water or something that day. We were just gonna hike out in the afternoon back to the truck and uh so we went and sat on that water hole while the bear sign for the midday you know took took turns rotating every half an hour hoping to shoot a bear or something because um, that elk for all we knew he was gone but uh didn't find the bear so we ended up making a move around the canyon um in the afternoon to where that elk was and kind of talked ourselves into walking back up the back up through all this brush to get to the top of the ridge and then we were going to do some calling and hope he was still, you know, at least in the area. Um, so we set up and we did some cold calling. And we it was thick. It was in the timber. We thought it would be a little bit more open, but it was it was thick, thick. Um, you know, 20 yards maybe you could see, 30 yards. Um, so we set up. We started doing cold calling, just, you know, some light cow mews and then some cows and calves. And then kind of as it went on, it, you know, we just kind of cranked it up. Um, so I would say it was 30 minutes in, it seen a little, had a little bear cub come walking by. I thought I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. It came by about six yards and just went kind of rolling down the hill. Um, <laughs> luckily, Mama wasn't behind him, and uh, still no sign of the bull, hadn't heard nothing. You know, I'm, we're kind of just sitting down, pretty lackadaisical at this point, and uh, we kind of got to the point where we felt we were feeling like a little obnoxious with the cow calling, you know, like. Felt a little ridiculous. And then we thought we heard a cow mute. So then we just kept it going. And then we heard a bugle and he was not real close. So we kind of hooked up and we thought we were going to have to go down into this other canyon, you know, and we're whooped and tired and pretty much out of water now, you know, kind of ready to just go back to the truck. And, but who can, who can leave a bugle on the last day because you didn't want to walk down the hill, you know, so, (laughs) so we're talking about it and we're cow calling and he ends up bugling half as close. So we think oh man this is it so we kind of split up and next thing you know you hear the you know you could hear them coming rocks are rolling you could then finally after you know a little bit of that you, i could see like it kind of looked like jurassic park when the velociraptors are coming you know like the trees and the brush just start swaying back and forth and it's coming up kind of at, like my 10 o'clock so i'm thinking this is you know this is it I and mean, he's coming and he got to about 25 or so, and it was so thick that all I could see was, like, his antlers and his eyes, or I suppose his head. Like, he ripped his head through the brush, and, like, I could just see his rack, and he's staring right at us. And I'm thinking, oh, man, come on, you know, it's, it's 20 20 yards. Like, I can't, I can't even see his body. Like, this is, <laughs> do something. Just don't walk right to me, you know, anything. So he just kind of come up over a little lip, and he came up straight broadside from me, and there was pretty much one hole there. In between the brush that I had seen before. So he came up pretty much, I don't know, running, trotting. He came, he came out quick. I cow at him, hit full draw and like took a step or two to line up the hole where he had stopped on his side and let the old, let the old longbow bark. Pretty much put it right where I wanted to. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, yes. you know, 50 days, 50 days of hunting elk and. All of a sudden I finally shot at one. <laughs> so it looked pretty much, it was it just where the hole was lined up with kind of high lungs, but I pretty much put it right, you know, high rib cage mid, midway up. So I, I shoot and my buddy was only like five yards from me or whatever. And he couldn't apparently he never seen the elk. Like he saw me, you know, stop it and shoot or whatever, but like he never he could see the bull just because how thick it was. So I like, I immediately shot and you know, I'm getting to be a little cooler with like the white but I pretty much just lost it. You know, like the arrow was barely through the elf and I like turned to him like with the fist up, you know, I'm like I just shot him, you know. And then I turned back around a split second later and the sucker he was just standing there looking at me. Apparently it's surprised to see me as I was to see he was still standing there and uh I don't know if I could have got another arrow on him anyway, but not that it mattered. He he whirled and I would say he probably ran thirty and rolled twenty. Um pretty much just heard him die from the spot, um, you know, 50 yards downhill through the brush. And uh, that was that. was That That was my first help. Wow. With the old longbow. That's what, awesome,
1: man. Uh, what broadhead did, did you shoot him with?
2: I shot him with a single bevel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I
2: shot him with the grizzly.
1: Shot him with the grizzly. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's been my experience is uh, they don't bleed a lot, but they don't go very far. They just die real quick.
2: Yeah, I, it, it definitely zipped through. And we looked for the arrow a little bit, but um, I don't know. We we were a little bit more excited with what, what was going on, you know. <laughs> do ba- hey, we're going to give him some time. We're going to give him some time. Like, we're sure he's down, you know. Like, we heard him quit breathing, basically. Like, all right, you know, it's 10 to 5 or whatever. Well, Maybe we'll go look for the arrow. And, you know, we'll give him till like, 6.30. We were there by like 5.58, like standing over him. <laughs> like, you know, eight minutes later, there you are. Um,
1: yeah, uh, Bob would deem, uh, Orla would say that's a lucky, a lucky setup and he would never change it.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
2: it, yeah, it crossed my mind. Like, I, you know, I may, at least for Elk, apparently I might need to just shoot the same thing.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you that that's been my experience, uh, so far. The last couple critters with the grizzly, they just, uh, they just tip over. They don't bleed a lot. They just die really fast.
2: There was a there was a fair amount of blood for how thick it was, I would say. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, it wasn't awful. Like we could follow blood where you had gone, but right. I
1: don't know. So it was, it was fair. Sounds like a you've got a great bear hunting spot now, and B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, I mean, that's the best way to get an elk, I think. On the last day and the last hour, I mean, you got to learn a ton and experience a lot. Uh, listening to your story, it sounds like, um, you had some really good elk hunting in Wyoming and we're kind of in the learning curve and then you put it all together at a place that is very difficult to kill an elk, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah,
2: for sure. I, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but now, yeah, I, I seen where you were going as soon as you started there and I, yeah, like if I think it probably would take longer if you tried to do it all in Idaho or in that same, you know, for that yeah. same amount of elk in time, you know, where we'd seen, I think we've seen what three bulls and in, in 10 days. I mean, I'm sure it definitely speed up, sped up the uh, learning curve. So yeah,
1: my, my experience has been the opposite. I've learned to hunt elk in the brush and then my first experiences uh, in prime elk habitat uh, was like, Oh, my gosh. This is what <laughs> elk hunting's like. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 super cool. So I bet you're chomping at the bit to get back after it. Are you planning to uh, go to Idaho again? Is your friend anxious to to go elk hunting with oh, you? Oh, you? know
2: he's still ready to go. He's, you know, now, and now I kind of feel, you know, I owe him. You know, <laughs> we were sitting there dehydrated and, Dark, you know we were planning on being back to the truck but hadn't eaten or drank water for half a day and next thing you know you got an elk laying there dead so i don't know we ended up getting it packed out so i think we did camp and half the bowl that night um we, we thought we were gonna go like just take them down the ridge and then like get you know get the other half and haul it all out in one go but we were we were a little delirious i guess so we, we were beat by the time we got half of them out but we were back in the morning and um got the other half out no problems you know it was it was pretty awesome i think it it took us like three and a half hours to hike out the first time you know it's dark and we're trying to pick our way through all this brush going down the hill And turns out you know there was the trail that we walked in on was just down the ridge it was like almost a clear beeline to just cut up to where the elk had died so i think we walked in and walked out in like an hour and a half the next day with the bull you know but it we were, we were probably not in prime shape at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny.
2: But, uh, so yeah, now I owe, you know, I owe him, I guess. Got right. Got to Stick it in there. Stick it out with him until the guy can, you know, finally kill one himself. So.
1: So, um, I imagine, uh, Mama was, uh, like, probably shocked. Like, what? You guys got to know? For reals? That's how mine always um, responds. <laughs>
2: You know, I got to say, like, I was, I guess I didn't mention it, but, like, I was really starting to be under the gun. Like, I was hunting more and more out west or, like, going on trips. And, uh, like, apparently, I I don't think she was joking, like, when she said that, you know, if you don't kill anything this year, like, you're probably not going again. (laughs) Or at least not. Like, you're going to have to, there's going to be a reevaluation period of what's going on here. You know, we came to Iowa to hunt deer, and now all you do is, you know, go and not hunt or not kill anything. So, you know, I had gone to uh, Nebraska to hunt mule deer again, like the first week of September, and I was kind of banking on that to be like my hunt where I could shoot like a deer anyway, like a mule deer, not necessarily a big buck or anything, but I was like, this is going to be the one where I can get my, you know, get my hunting rights, you know, extended for another year and uh, I was pretty nervous when that went, when that flopped, and then it was going to be the uh, Idaho elk hunt to determine if I, could, if I could go anymore. So um, <laughs> I don't know. She's funny though. She's 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 got some jokes. You know, I showed up, and me and my buddy are all excited to show her all this meat we got. And, you know, she always wants to see where all the meat is, and of course, the first thing she says is, "No one believes that you shot that with your longbow, Bob." No one in the country believes you. (laughs) And then then once she's seen how much meat there was, you know, she immediately was trying to give it away to my buddy. Like, what are we going to do with all that? Like, can't we just keep one of those game bags? Like, just keep one of those bags of meat. Give him the rest. So she's pretty funny. (laughs) Um, She She thinks so.
1: Yeah, once they get a taste of that elk, they they want more and more. Mine's like, how can we get more of these? I'm like, well, you're going to have to start hunting them, babe.
2: Yes, yes. I don't think she's probably going to, but I wouldn't mind having a couple of elk a year. Yeah. Turns out we eat a lot of elk, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) easy to do. I don't think he's going to be around come September. Like, I'm sure he'll be not much left by then anyway.
1: I'm going to have
2: to start ratcheting him out. So, we were, uh, hoping to do Wyoming again, um, but apparently the, uh, little point creep going on or whatnot, so more people applying, so didn't have enough points to do that, and, uh, I guess we were gonna, we were gonna do New Mexico, and then decide not to do that, and so I think now we're just gonna buy some points and, you know, do, like, Arizona, Colorado points, stuff like that, good time, and, uh, go back to good old Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's already been determined like you know on the way home last year that we would not be returning to that unit you know we were we were done um my buddy just couldn't believe how thick it was like steep and you know big and rugged like that's all one thing but thick was not thick is not a whole lot of fun so yeah.
0: it's a jungle we're gonna, up there we're gonna have, see what happens
1: yeah, but I, the downside to the really open country is when they're coming in, they can see you, and so it's almost nice to have a balance. I mean, where if you're calling them, um, thick can can play, uh, uh, you know, benefits in your favor because they'll come into the stickbow range.
2: Right,
1: right, and he's a compound guy, so I don't think he's too worried. Okay, <laughs> copy. But now, is there? Is there desert elk hunting opportunities over the counter in Idaho Bob?
0: uh they have a couple of units down south that are more I mean I don't know about desert but high desert yeah. right like they get south. a lot of pressure though the more the easier the country is yeah. to hunt the more yeah. people are hunting it I think but...
2: right yeah we're not we're not going south south we're just gonna go south of the Magruder corridor there so we're dipping more into that what's it and Beaverhead. I think we're looking at salmon, but we don't really have it nailed down yet. Apparently, we're doing over-the-counter health though. So. Perfect. Not in the low zone. We will not be in the low-low zone. <laughs> Anyone looking for where we're hunting? Not in the low-low zone.
1: You're yeah. no, you're doing that wrong, Bob. You're supposed to say we'll be in the low-low. That's where all the elk are. <laughs> well,
2: hey, you just we just told everyone that wherever we didn't see any elk, we're lying So
1: right, I mean, maybe <laughs> I
2: will be in the low-low zone.
1: Yeah. So. Uh... I haven't been to Wyoming. I'm saving points for there is you. Can you not get a general uh tag with one point anymore? Uh,
2: no, no. Okay. It's more like a two point. I think it was. I forget it. I looked a while ago. It was like thirty eight percent with over one point.
1: Okay. So, getting, getting tough to get an elk tag out there. It looks like
2: getting popular, man. I guess. So, yeah, I don't well, know. We're gonna all, those, to...
0: uh, all those flatlanders from the Midwest coming out. <laughs>
2: I know. I haven't told anyone about this
1: stuff.
2: <laughs> That's for sure.
1: Well, I guess I'll just stick with, to the brush where there's no elk. You, might live.
2: you know, it seems like you like it. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, uh, <laughs> it's close, close to <laughs> home anyways.
2: That's right, yeah.
0: Well, that's awesome, yeah, I almost, Bob. I mean, that, that's the 50 days. That's an earned trophy for sure, man. Congratulations on, uh, yeah, no, awesome. your first out. Thank you. Dude. It's pretty so, sweet.
2: Hopefully it doesn't take another 50. Like maybe just like <laughs> 30 or
0: something. Oh yeah, you you broke the seal now. You're, you're good now. You got it dialed. Yeah, for that's sure. That's
2: what I said. It gets downhill
0: from here. Yeah, yeah. 100% success after this every time you go out. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, well. in closing, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? And um, I know you kind of mentioned you're working on some new bow designs. I don't know if you want to talk about any of that right now or not, but feel free to. Yeah,
2: sure. So um, I'm on Instagram, Big Stick Archery, uh, Facebook at Big Stick Archery. I have a website, www.bigstickarchery.com. Got it pretty streamlined, pretty easy for everyone. Um, also have a YouTube channel big stick archery um so that's kind of where i do all my stuff uh most a lot of a lot more probably on instagram but kind of I'll, I'll check in on facebook stuff and um haven't done a lot of youtube videos lately i guess i put one up last week but um haven't been doing any in the hunts really for quite a while um but definitely that's where you can you can kind of follow me at. And I think I got my phone number on there and email and stuff if you want to shoot me any messages or emails or phone calls or whatever. Um, and I guess as far as new stuff coming out, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what all I can talk about. Isn't that what people say? I don't know what I can talk about. But uh, I got a kind to... I'm working on a couple new... I'm working on some different bow stuff, some new designs maybe. So hopefully that'll be sometime in the year, maybe in the next year. Kind of iron out the two-piece, the pocket-socket deal. Um, So I think that'll probably be coming around first, kind of getting that dialed in now. So that's exciting. Um, And then I guess kind of other than that, I'm actually wrapping up my first first book. You probably don't even know about this, James. What? Oh. Uh, Yes, sir. I, uh, I decided to write a novel. So, so like, about a year ago, I started just writing a novel, you know, 30 years of bow hunting stories, basically. Um, so, kind of turns out a guy can just write a book, go on Amazon, and publish it himself, I guess. So, you just got to figure out how to do it all. So, I'm kind of getting my final manuscript ready to go. Going to have some, get a proof copy going here soon. So, hopefully that will be available soon. I don't know, probably by in the next couple of months, maybe summertime so so what's that's
1: the pretty t- awesome.
2: what's the title a quiver full of arrows oh
1: i like it i like
2: it yeah yeah i mean it took a lot of bow standing to figure that one out uh.
1: <laughs>
2: guy gets a lot of turns to ponder. so um yeah so that's pretty cool just a bunch of kind of just all my bow hunting stories basically start to finish um then i have a i got an article coming out in traditional bow hunter about the elk hunt i think that's coming out in the summer
1: um, very cool and,
2: and uh, yeah i don't know and then i guess once i get this book done i'm hoping to get some more youtube stuff but um kind of put together but that's kind of where we're at now just working on bows and this book book thing i guess and and you know researching where i'm going to hunt at <laughs>
1: turns out so, it burns a lot of time on. so uh, anyway we can twist your arm and talk you into. uh Meeting us uh, over in Michigan at the Compton Traditional Rendezvous this uh, summer. Oh
2: yeah, when is that? Uh, said, is that, an, is that like in the end of,
0: middle of June? Like
2: right, it's like Father's Day weekend, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be sitting on a bear bait. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> that's okay. the uh,
2: that's the scheduled Idaho bear hunt is uh, gonna be like the last two weeks of June. I'm done okay. messing around. It's gonna go right for the end of the season.
1: Yeah, get that bear down and come up to Michigan and hang out with us.
2: I might, I might. Maybe me and Aaron will come back and hang out at Compton.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. He uh, yeah, he lives real close to there. So yeah, we, if uh, not this year, the next, it's a super good time. Um, I don't know if you're a member or not, but if you're not, you should be. It's, uh, our only national traditional bow organization and they put on a, uh, a really awesome shindig there in Bering Springs, Michigan.
2: Yeah, that's what I've always heard. I need to get, uh, I'm looking to get some more of these shoots and stuff. I've been, I was kind of slacking off as a three-quarter time boyer. So I'm looking to maybe get, uh, get out and do some shoots. Go to, yeah, at least write go, that. Go yeah, shoot at Utah or, you know, yeah. all that good stuff. Might it.
1: be able to write that one off or something like that. I don't know how that works. But... Probably could. I
2: mean,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome.
0: awesome.
1: Well, well, good luck to you and, uh, 2019 in the bear woods and the elk woods. And uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you in the fall and hear about your next big bull you put on the ground with that assassin. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm getting a little ahead of it, but I, I like it. So it sounds
1: good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time.
2: All right. Yeah. Thank you guys.
1: We want to thank listeners. Once again, we wouldn't be doing this. If it weren't for you guys. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. It really helps. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever your favorite podcasts are played. You can also listen to the podcast on TradQuest.com. Send us an email at TradQuestPodcast at gmail.com. And always, keep the wind in your face, take a spot, and shoot straight.